0: You are listening to the OmniTalk Fast Five, brought to you in partnership with Microsoft, the AM Consumer Retail Group, Takeoff, and Sezzle. The OmniTalk Fast Five podcast is the podcast that we hope each week makes you feel a little smarter, but most importantly, a little happier too. Today is January 13th. I'm your host, Ann Mazenga. And I am Chris Walton. And we are here once again to discuss all the top headlines making waves in the world of omnichannel retailing this week. Chris,
1: how are you doing today? I noticed you're
0: wearing you're wearing a new cap
1: today. I've got to and I've got to I gotta support my Cardinals, my Arizona Cardinals while I can. They're in the playoffs this weekend. They're probably gonna get bounced in the first round, but I gotta show my support Monday. Gotta find time to watch that too. We're gonna to be at NRF. And oh I got to watch that. Like we, I, we're still going fa- f- fans of army talk. How are you feeling we, about
0: that? Ann? we are going to NRF. I hope everybody listening is ready for like 12 nonstop days of army talk because it starts now and there's no resting until maybe next weekend. We'll see, but then we're going to be in Vegas for the manifest conference. Okay. So it is just like, let's buckle up Army talk listeners. Cause you're about to just get, Every single possible conference coverage you can imagine in the next 12 to 15 days. Yeah,
1: we've got we got we got some serious good stuff coming your way though, you guys. So, like, first of all, from our regular OmniTalk coverage, which is brought to you in partnership with Cleveron, Firework, and Scan It. We've got some cool interviews yes. with the CEO of Leap. Uh, the help me out and the uh, we've got
0: Jason Holland, the president Jason, of Firework. President and Chief Business Officer of Firework. Uh, we've got Max Pedro, the CEO, CEO and co-founder of, take, of Takeoff. Takeoff, our been, signature
1: sponsor. Yeah. yeah everybody blowing
0: sure. up in the news right now. We've got them on the podcast. Thank and you then, to Cleveron and to Scandit yeah. and to
1: Firework. Yeah. And then as and then as a part of our live streaming efforts from the show floor um, with NVIDIA and Lenovo, got some really good stuff too. I'm doing we're doing a live stream interview with Kroger's Director of Assets Protection, Tom Origi. Uh, We're talking to uh, Compass, the chief digital officer of Compass Digital Labs, which is doing a lot of cool stuff in the checkout free retail space uh, in the food service industry and the quick convenience smart industry. And then a whole host of other companies in the AI space, because that's what NVIDIA and Lenovo are all about. So you guys stay tuned, because like Anne said, it is coming fast and furious. We're actually going to do a Monday newsletter, a Tuesday newsletter. We're going to bring it to you guys next week. But, uh, Andy,
0: Andy, they just have to see what we end up doing because we're we yeah. might be in a bubble. As we're, we're hosting happy hours week.
1: on Tuesday night in the Innovation Lab. Like we're the ones hosting the happy hours with Lenovo, Andy Hughes at Lenovo. Like it's gonna be. A, I'm, I'm actually pretty excited about it. I'm, it's Monday I'm not night, as Chris. As it's Monday else night. Is. Yeah. Monday, Monday night. Monday night. Oh yeah, yeah, Monday night. Sorry, sorry, I got that wrong. We're not um, even gonna
0: know what day it is, but we're gonna bring you the best retail
1: coverage yeah, possible. Yeah, but we this guarantee week. It. But and enough about NRF because yes. people are going to hear about it a lot next week like yes. we just said this week was particularly interesting from a headline perspective because I think this is the first time on record where we 100% disagreed on every single headline like the way this works guys so you know the sausage made we taught we each go and pick our favorite five headlines from the week and then and then we we share them with each other and usually like we line up like 80% you know yeah. on average I'd say but yep. this week we were zero like there was nothing we agreed upon
0: no, Chris, so much so that I had a dream last night that really? we were like together trying to pick the fast five, and then I just quit because I was like,
1: no. Yes, you got a little salty at me anymore. Too. You got a little yeah. salty at me yesterday, too. Yeah. I was a little, so I was it's, actually it's a, little a good scared. thing we're
0: gonna be spending a lot of time together over the course of the rest of January. All but right, but let's, well, let's do it. Into, let's get yeah. the yeah. headlines. Why not? Let's All do right, it. let's do it. Today's
1: fast five, we're going to talk about Yeezy Gap and Bounciaga. Shopify showing even more interest in physical retail tiktok is spanning its commercial reach cincinnati's new delivery robots but first we're going to take off with this week's big board of director news
0: and i feel like i should have been wearing a three-piece suit for just this headline chris this week the ceo of doordash tony zoo joined the mem the board at meta meta yeah that's so and and that's not it the CEO of Instacart, Fiji Simo, also joined the board at Shopify. Chris, this headline is uh, pretty self-explanatory here. Uh, what do you think? What are and not much thoughts? detail it, to
1: provide on that one. Right. right I
0: mean, mean, bomb dropped. What do you think? Yeah.
1: I mean, I think I think these uh, I think these board um, the the naming of these two people the boards is I think it's simply fascinating. Um, yeah. You know, the words that I come to mind for me are the whole collaboration is a new competition phrase, Mm -hmm. you know, that we've heard a few years or said a few times on this podcast or frenemies comes to mind, but I don't know about you. And I love how, I love, by the way, for those watching, like how you're trying, well, you can't actually see this because I'm talking, but Anne's like trying to keep her face out of the sun because we're at home because of coronavirus restrictions here in Minneapolis. But um, I find the DoorDash part of this, the most fascinating part of this uh, topic, because you know, we have talked long and hard on this program about Meta slash Facebook being the place for inspirational commerce to happen. And DoorDash, DoorDash and or Instacart seem like the natural partner to facilitate that. You see an item you want now in your feed, DoorDash can get it to you essentially through third-party relationships with CPGs, with retailers, or even through their own dashmarts very, very quickly. So it just seems like Facebook would be so wise to make a connection with one of these companies in this way. Yeah, you've talked give about
0: that for a while. I mean, yeah, talking- I, I,
1: I actually, I wrote about it in Forbes a year ago as a huge opportunity. And now seemingly like this could be happening. And for listeners, like, if they make this happen in a very cool way, this could disintermediate a lot of folks in the retail, especially in the grocery and CPG space. So, so that that's my take on it. And I think it's, I think it's huge. It's fascinating. I, I, that's why we led with it.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think they're both really smart and strategic moves for Facebook and for Shopify. I, uh, on the other side of this, I especially like Fiji's appointment to the Shopify board because I, yeah, because I think that both Instacart and Shopify need to learn how to create this like suite of offerings to give other retailers so that their business models can survive. Like they need to be, we'll talk about this a little bit later in the show too, but both Shopify and Instacart need to start figuring out like how they increase this menu of services that they're providing. Um, to retailers. And then the Tony Zoo to Facebook, I think that makes a ton of sense too. It actually reminded me of Carter Jensen's, you know, the horizontal line of social commerce that we're talking Mm -hmm. about with Amazon on one side and Facebook on the other, except, you know, DoorDash can do now what Amazon, you know, is a big machine to get to to be doing soon. So I think Facebook and DoorDash's expertise together with that execution, like you're talking about, could move Facebook's position on that line and make them a more worthy Competitor to Amazon in the future. So the third
1: party aspect of a tie-in with the DoorDash gives it gives Facebook Meta a lot of flexibility in space. I'm not sold on the Shopify thing. I want to come back to that as my retort to you. I don't. I get the whole like we need to broaden our services. We're hearing that from Instagram. We're hearing that from Shopify. But that's also code word sometimes for eh, things aren't that great. And like the Shopify announcement, I also wonder like is this something she needs to be focused on right now? Like why I don't I don't understand the connections as much. I mean, yeah, I could make them tangentially like you're talking about, but it's kind of ethereal. And given where Instacart is, like, I just wonder, I kind of wonder if this is a branding play for her because I've I actually theorized that she might not be here very much longer hmm. if Instacart doesn't turn the ship around. So so that's my last point on that, Ann. All right, headline number two, which is one I know you've been excited to get oh, yes. to. And it's a move that made you super giddy with Glee when you texted me about it, quite frankly. <laughs> And that is that according to Vogue, something I never thought I would say on this podcast, Yeezy, a.k.a. Kanye, and Balenciaga... Now just yay,
0: yay. Yeezy yay, is right. the yay.
1: Yes, yeah, now Kanye. he's yay. Of course he is. Now
0: yay, yes.
1: But, but anyway, Balenciaga's creative director, Demna, are now collaborating on a project called Yeezy Gap, Engineered by Balenciaga. The first collection is expected to drop in June, with the second collection scheduled for later in the year. Demna is quoted in the article saying, this is a very different challenge. I've always appreciated the utilitarianism and accessibility of Gap. I share some of the same sensibilities in my creative language. This project allowed me to join forces with Yay to create utilitarian fashion for all, end quote. And are you buying with Demna and Yay are throwing down with this one?
0: Okay, I love this. Last week we had Barbie and Balmain. This week it's Yeezy and Balenciaga. I am here for it. Are you? I think it's a I do I think it's a really cool collaboration. Balenciaga is one of the hottest designers right now. Um, for those listening who maybe are not familiar Demna, the guy behind this, um, you know, he was the he did the Kim Kardashian West like full face mask covered costume for the Met Gala. Like oh. they, he's done these cool collaborations. He did a whole Simpsons episode with the Simpsons creators That's to cool. like do a fashion show uh, where all the Simpsons go to Paris. Like there's a lot going on. This guy is outside of the box, and I I think it's cool. Um, I think the problem for me here is that. Um, I don't think this is something that we're going to see in our local Gap store for a long time. This is not about, you know, design for all. Like this is not target design partnerships. Like that is not what this is. So I think that like that sell here falls short for me. But I think what this is really cool is that This does show, though, that Gap is experimenting with where the future of retail is going. And there's nothing wrong with creating a drop from the Gap. Like, good for you, Gap. When was the last time somebody was lining up to buy your product? They weren't. So this is a good way for Gap, I think, to go forward into, you know, virtual clothing into this next world of fashion and they're bringing legacy fashion along for the ride too so for me this is one plus one equals three great for a legacy brand great for the fashion industry and uh, a really cool way for some of us to have access to this like elevated collection from one of our old um, and beloved retailers the Gap.
1: Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. The point about the metaverse is really cool too. Yeah. Gap and coincident gap last yesterday announced the NFT play that they're launching on Saturday, which I actually want to check out and potentially hear some of when we are in New York on Saturday. Yes. We need to talk about that, but you guys listening should check that out too. You know, I have a thought on this Anne. Yes, but I thought I'd go to a much more reliable source because, you know, fashion, you know, I mean, Worked at the Gap, yeah. It's, I, I, I can, you're wearing I can, a
0: hoodie and a Cardinals I, cap, I can hold so my yes, own, but yes, know. if you're
1: watching this video, it's definitely not my strong suit, but I can hold my own when I want to. But I thought I'd go to an expert. And so I went to our good friend, Emma, the intern, for her oh, opinion. Oh, yes. And here is what Emma, the intern, had to say about this. She said, quote, Obviously, I'm here for this collab, And notice collab because collaboration is just too long of a word for a millennial to say. These are two of the most hype brands that we have right now. When Yeezy Gap was first announced, we were all excited for that designer fashion becoming accessible to the masses. But that aspect has missed the mark for me so far. Interesting. Sure, the Yeezy Gap prices are more affordable, but big but. She actually actually put those all in capital letters. but, But it is still impossible to get product because of limited releases and resale values are crazy. So it's harder to get super excited about throwing bouncy, I'll get into the mix. If I'm not able to get the products anyway, exclamation point, end quote. Emma, the intern, I got to tell you, I 100% agree with you. 100%. Yes. I I would actually be even stronger with it than what you and Emma both said too. Like, I think from a marketing perspective, yeah, this is cool. The puffy jacket that sold out on online in seconds and is reselling for like $7,000. is cool. You get a little good marketing soundbite with that, but you know, like that's all this is ever going to be. Like, I think, like, I don't think this is going to save the gap at scale. Like it's, there's still something missing from this whole equation. And I actually would like to see them take this, like a target designer approach, figure out how to make it available in your stores in mass in Who's some way.
0: Who's to say way. that they can't they can, I mean, that's, they can. That's the problem I, I'm here. Doubtful I think people of that are ami- immediately I'm dismissing, dismissing it. Like Let's make it something that's got demand behind it, which it does. And yep. then you start to figure out like limited edition pieces. Now we're going to yep. take one of the things that are in here and we'll make mm-hmm. more of them. We'll do another run. Like it's definitely in, in this yeah. drop. Like it's about the drop. And so yeah. I, I, I don't know. I think... I think people are- so putting, you're all in. You too still it. This okay. too early. I'm it.
1: I'm, yeah. I'm growing skeptical of it, but we'll but, see. We'll see.
0: No surprise there. All right, Chris, let's right. go to headline number three. <laughs> oh. Shopify appears to have some new designs in the works for physical retail. Mm-hmm. So according to Charged Retail, a leaked document that they found reportedly reveals that Shopify in 2020 filed a patent for a system of sensors that can monitor traffic in store and may ultimately work similarly to Amazon's just walk out technology. Chris, uh, you and I fought pretty hard for this headline. Um, I, well, I got yeah, it in. I fought against
1: you. Now we didn't fight. Yes. We didn't fight hard for it, but just to, yeah. To I fought ahead.
0: for it. You yeah. were against. What Have I changed your mind at all? Have you thought any more about it?
1: Not Please. at all. And it's not. I have it at all. Like, no, I still, I, this is, I still don't love this headline because I think the reporting on this is so subpar from charge well, retail
0: separated from the reporting, the reporting, yeah, was but not- yeah,
1: but, but the reporting matters, like the facts matter. And like, this is the second thing this week from charge retail that has made me very skeptical of the stuff they're putting out. Because the reason I say that is like, you read the article, it's very difficult to tell. Is this, is it just walkout technology? Is it sensors, you know, watching traffic somewhere like a retail next, and so it's just really hard to, to understand it. Now, of course, I'm going to take it seriously because, oh, it's Shopify through leaked documents getting into physical retail. But I think, you know, at the end of the day, you got to salute the patent to understand what this is. And you've done that.
0: Mm-hmm. And so
1: because you wanted this so much for us to talk about it, I actually went to our friends at the AM to put you on the spot. Oh, nice. So, so I'm you gonna, really I'm are going to get back, the, back at me.
0: Yeah. I'm okay. turning
1: the tables on you, getting okay. back at your saltiness yesterday. So, and here is the question. Quote, Shopify getting into physical retail is big news in and of itself, as I just said, but what do you make of the details released on the patent they they filed? Do you see additional opportunities and use cases for what Shopify could do with it for either customer experience or merchandising beyond the Just Walk Out headline lookalike the floor End quote the floor is now yours Anne.
0: okay uh yes i absolutely think this is something worth paying attention to shopify works with over a million merchants let's not forget that not all of them in physical stores but um they power so much of shopping right now that it's if they're thinking about and filing patents to get into physical retail we should be paying attention to it now according to the patent let me just break it down for you for the listeners Mm -hmm. Um, The focus for this particular patent is on installing ceiling cameras and sensors throughout the store. Specifically for this case, they note in the patent to track people, products, dwell time and traffic flow throughout the store so that they can sell better space to potential um, vendors or resellers in that store that the merchant can. There is no mention of using this tech to enable just walkout technology. So I agree with you. The, the reporting here saying this is, you know, competing with J, JWOT, not not, not a, a clear
1: leap, right? Not, a, not clear a clear leap, leap. no,
0: yeah. but here's the big but. This patent was filed in 2020. And I think once they get the cameras in the store, once they are tracking people, like if you look at the patent descriptions, it's cameras in the ceiling, it's sensors all around, just, you know, yeah. not dissimilar from what we see in an Amazon store and some of the other competitors of Amazon. Once they get those cameras in there, they're collecting that data, I think that it's, it's not outside the realm of possibility that, that we could see them filing patents coming up here for so much more and to kind of take that further. I don't expect that we're going to see Shopify setting up their own stores, but I do think that if you take those 1 million merchants and you, again, think about adding this yeah. in as an add-on. To their suite of services for stores where you can try to get this thing up and running. Once Amazon starts coming in with all of their just walk out technology, this is something that they have to be thinking about and that could provide value for those merchants.
1: Yeah. Okay. Here's my here's 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 my retort again. Today's the retort podcast, I think. Like I I don't disagree with you in anything you just said, but I talk about the, now I'm, I think I don't know if it's practical though. Like Shopify doesn't know word one about physical retail, especially in this space. A 2020 patent filing on just walk out type technology, type ish technology. It's pretty late in the game, given all the other players in this space. Like and how do you, and yes, you have a million retailers on board your site, you know, how many of them have a physical retail presence? still a question mark to me. But like you actually have to do experimentation in the physical world to make this type of technology work. And so if you're just getting into it, like you're kind of far behind on all the other players that are already doing this at scale. So like, I don't really see the end game practicality here. Like ultimately, if they're going to go into this space, I think it's going to happen by way of acquisition at best. And that's probably the smartest way to go about it. I, I just don't see them having the tools and the resources. It kind of goes back to the topic you said before, like, you know, I, I don't want to make too much of this story either, because it's just like one thing that somebody says they leak. Like it could not even be a huge part of their strategy. It could just be some patent that some dude filed in their technology department. But like, I think there's a lot of bullets in the chamber against Shopify being the ones to figure this out is my last point, but I don't know. Final thoughts on that, Anne? I, I don't.
0: I don't think they're the ones to figure it out, Chris. But I think that what's important to note is that they're the ones to get this to scale. If you tra- think about all the mom and pop retailers and this being another plugin that they can do for their, I mean, it, it's something that I think once we start to once we start to roll this out further, once it starts to get down to the main street shops, this is something that. They could win at providing, they could beat other large scale providers that are doing this for large retailers, but I guess we'll see.
1: Yeah, I think a lot, but I think, you know, the technology is pretty, you know, once the cost comes down, that's the big factor now for the small scale guys is the cost, you know, Mm -hmm. like you figured out how to work it at 40,000 square feet, 3,000 square feet with, you know, Tesco as an example. Like, you know, once the cost comes down, like it's going to be pretty deployable in a lot of situations. So. But does it
0: tie into your whole retail operation system too?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, probably. I mean, if it's working for large scale companies, which online are and offline, with, I got to think it would, you know, but I don't know. We could beat the dead horse. I think we all understand where we stand on this. I think your point's right, though. They're, they're obviously thinking about physical retail. That's that's my key takeaway from this, but I don't get overhyped on that. And they've been thinking about physical retail for a long time. They've been thinking about physical retail for a long time. Like, mm-hmm. And what have they done? Absolutely zero. Like, I remember talking about that four years ago. So anyway, all right, we're moving on. Moving on in the interest of time, in the interest of our listeners who we care deeply about. TikTok, Ann, plans to bring its videos to commercial venues for the first time. According to TechCrunch, TikTok is partnering with Atmosphere, a startup that provides licensed and curated streamed video content for commercial venues to places like Westin Hotels, Taco Bell, and everyone's favorite doctor's offices, gyms, and other venues where people spend time. Initially, the partnership will see Atmosphere develop a new channel on its platform dedicated to curated TikTok videos, and this will be the first time that TikTok content is being used for an out-of-home video service, which is important. And you also fought me hard for this story. I think I'd out to you on almost every one of these stories now that I'm thinking about it. No. Tell the audience why, please.
0: Okay, I love this move. I think there is absolutely nothing wrong with getting... TikTok in front of more people on more screens out of home, just being like the gateway to doing that. We know that out of home is one of the most successful advertising platforms that's out there right now. It saw a resurgence over the last few years. And I think that where I see this going next is that it's going to start to go into bringing the short form content to more audiences and more places, including the screens at home. Like once you start to bring TikTok as an app on your smart TV, the way that you kind of following the path of YouTube. And just, I, I did Google this and found some data, data from Google. In 2020, pre-pandemic, mind you, more than 100 million people in the U.S. alone, that's not counting, and there's larger numbers outside of the U.S., now watch YouTube and YouTube TV on their TV screens at home, That's which crazy. I think shows you that you know, this is just this is a platform that we're seeing grow in popularity, that we're seeing grow shopping from this platform is growing in popularity too. And so I think as this kind of continues to evolve, both in out of home, in people's TV screens at home, I think that we're gonna start seeing, you know, how shopping Starts to play into this as well, and it become more ubiquitous as an entertainment source. We know this is something that people crave and enjoy, and to be able to watch somebody like I don't know doing a dance video before you go get your paps in here, what could be better?
1: Okay, didn't think you're gonna take it there. Wow, um, this is one. I don't even know if I can recover from that. This is one <laughs> headline that that you found before that I I think you, you convinced me. I think this is I think this is big. The other thing you made me think of real quick. Why doesn't Apple come out with like a big F off, like iPad, like television, you know, where it's like a touch screen and like, you can just interact with it. Like with a remote, like a sensor that tells you where you are and you can just interact. I don't know, but it seems like there's an opportunity there for me, especially with there's gotta be,
0: there's gotta be something we're not thinking about. Yeah. There's something
1: there, but like, why haven't they come up with that? But like it makes sense to me because that's what holds me back from doing it is the user interface of a general television. But sure. at this point, I just want a big screen that works like, I mean, a I phone. guess they're
0: doing that with Apple TV. It's just, they're using TVs, which are probably less expensive. Sort of, but it's
1: still working through the whole T te- but
0: anyway, we digress. We digress. Anyway,
1: but anyway, I, I think, I think your point is right. I mean, video is undoubtedly the future. The thing that's been clear to me in the last few weeks and the biggest aha I've actually had in the last couple of weeks and I, this came from our interview with Firework, actually, which will debut next week for you guys, is that that this whole concept of live streaming, Anne, is actually the, the wrong word entirely. Like, the live streaming right. is overhyped. That it's really about short-form video content and distribution. That's what we're talking about. Now, that could take the form of distribution via live stream, but it's also very powerful as recorded content dispersed in the right places. In fact, it's probably even more so that way. That's dispersed what, in
0: multiple places. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: And that's what retail needs to get behind is the creation, collation, uh, cataloging of short form video content. Livestream is just a piece, but it's not the whole enchilada. So a move like this, putting TikTok creator content in front of more eyeballs, I agree with you. It's a win-win idea. It's only going to grow. It's something for retailers to understand and continue to learn more about.
0: I love it. I'm glad that you're behind. You convinced this, me, Ann. You that's convinced exciting. me. So you were, okay. you were
1: rightly, rightfully salty. You were like the salt on a pretzel for me. Oh, I'm glad that you get one. to
0: tell me when I get to be salty. I'm going to yes. remember that. I'm going to be yes. telling you, Chris Walton, when you- and The past year year was forward. an
1: all-timer too, by the way. So thank you for <laughs> including that in-, in All right, situation. let's
0: get people out of here. Headline number five, the Cincinnati airport is using autonomous robots from autonomy with an O to deliver food and retail items to road weary travelers uh chris the robots are called autobots o-t-t-o-b-o-t-s and there is surely more than meets the eye when it comes to them for Ooh, example there
1: that was good yeah mm-hmm. i like that
0: they have proprietary contextual mobility navigation software, which means that they can navigate through very crowded and unpredictable environments. And the Autobot solution, according to chain storage, also offers a comprehensive suite of tools for managing a fleet of robots deployed across different geographies. Chris, you convinced me like we need to at least be thinking about this in some respect, but do you think this is the right move? What are you thinking?
1: Yeah, uh, you know, this is another one that you've, I mean, honestly, like letting audience know into how we make the sausage, this is one you you convinced me to include, because at first I was like, ah, it's just, you know, another autonomous robot deployment, fine. But I think you had some really interesting points that I think put this in the right context, because I think it begs the question, when you made me think about it, it begs the question of, is this the right next experiment Mm -hmm. for an airport type environment to be running? I think it sounds cool, but I would argue that it's probably not. Um, I would be looking at how to make, you know, what people already know how to do inside of an airport easier. I'd be using technologies like computer vision, scan and go direct order pickup through like hubs strewn throughout the airport, things that don't require a new app interface, a new way of engaging or learning how to do something. Those just seem like simpler and easier executions for me. And I think there's a lot to learn from that discussion. As we talk about autonomous delivery vehicles and grocery relative to at an airport, And whatnot but you know i don't want to steal your thunder because you had a really interesting take on this you know in my mind
0: well i appreciate that point of view chris i think those are really good questions to be asking before you know we start to see a rollout of this across airports all around the country or the world but i think what you hit on is that there's still there is definitely a customer need to be served here like the idea that you can have quicker Access to you know grabbing something to eat or drink or you know all of these stores that you know are in the airport the Hudson News like those kinds of things could be automated and are starting to be more automated Mm -hmm. to serve the customer, but you know I agree with you I don't know that this is these robots are the way to achieve it I think it's worth you know testing but what does this look like at scale? Like for me, I get that they have this autumn, this like tracking where they're not going to run into people, but is it really the best experience to be having multiple robots running through, you know, an already crowded and busy airport? Plus- you know, number one, this is still just one-to-one delivery. This is using resources to get one item to one person. And I think to your point, whether it's, you know, checkout free technology, I would even throw in like locker systems in here. Like, does it make more sense for there to be like locker systems set up in each gate so that, you know, you have one person, one resources, or even one robot at some point in time, that's filling multiple lockers within a gate location Mm. so that it's not just, you know, I'm getting your right. one, you know, Snickers bar to one person in this gate. It just seems like a lot of extra movement and effort and resources applied to something that isn't going to be able to scale and
1: really serve the customer need here. Yeah. Your one the one-to-one one point was a point I wanted you to bring home specifically because I think that's just I think that's an absolutely brilliant insight, Anne. Like I think it it talks to you about why this may be slower to take off and might not even be the right application of this, you know, and and your pivot on it's really fascinating. Like, okay. Let's combine, you know, take, take it to a hub spot for pickup like I was almost talking about before. It also makes you, it makes me think, you know, final thing we'll say and then we'll move on to the lightning round. I think it, it makes me think that the idea of locker pickup as a staging thing for all of retail, like we've seen overseas, is mm-hmm. going to continue to gain prominence here over the next few years. Because right. as you start to pivot and iterate on it conceptually like you just did, the value of them starts to grow as an idea. And it's just going to take more people experimenting with it. People getting, you know, less risk averse to trying it, to try to create these other opportunities for value. But
0: all right, Chris, let's close it up. Let's get to the lightning round. All right. Question number one, Chris Pepperidge Farm maker of Goldfish Crackers is rolling out a new line of snacks called Goldfish Megabytes. That's designed to appeal to adults like you. It comes in two (laughs) flavors, sharp cheddar and jalapeno (laughs) cheddar. What flavor would get you, Chris Walton, to convert from Doritos to Megabytes?
1: Absolutely nothing. Nothing. Neither. I wouldn't convert to either adult version because I already know this snack and already love it as what it's properly called, and that is the Cheez It. And yes, Ooh, yep, yep, yep. Uh, I'll agree. All right, good. Thank you. Question number two. And last week, the Bed Bath CEO, Bed Bath and Beyond CEO, if I'm trying to speak correctly, remarked that his company's market share is quote sequentially stable end quote. What is something in your life that you would describe as sequentially stable right now? There's
0: another answer I really wanted to give for this, but I don't think it's appropriate. So I'm gonna go, the number of minutes I spend exercising these days. Oh, boy. Hello. All right, Chris. Water in here. Going to need some water in
1: here. Chris,
0: your favorite guy of all time, Tom Brady, is releasing a new line of athletic and lifestyle apparel next week that will sell on his site and through Nordstrom. How long until we see you sporting a $95 Brady Wordmark cotton fleece hoodie
1: on this show? Oh, man. If they make the Super Bowl again, Ann, I'd say roughly three weeks. And for the record, Tom Brady can be sequentially stable with me anytime he wants to be. All right. Last question. Best show of the TGIF ABC lineup in honor of the passing of Bob Saget this past week from the 1980s and 1990s. Go.
0: Full House obviously wins this, but Sister no. Sister was a close second for me.
1: No way, no way. The answer is step-by-step. Step. Huge crush on Stacey Keenan, Ooh. a.k.a. Dana Foster.
0: That was another That was another close runner-up. I thought you were going to go for Perfect Strangers, though,
1: but that's kinda... uh, That was, like, too early. I felt like that doesn't actually deserve inclusion, you know? That Ooh, was more of okay. something else. But, you know, yes, good call. Balki Bartakamoose. All right, happy birthday today to three incredibly sexy men, and Liam Hemsworth. Mm-hmm. Legolas, aka Orlando Bloom, and the man forever known as McDreamy, but who will always be Ronald <laughs> Miller to me, Patrick Dempsey. And remember, if you can only read or listen to one retail blog in the business, for sure as hell, make it OmniTalk. Our OmniTalk Fast Five podcast is the quickest, fastest rundown of all the week's top news, and our twice weekly newsletter tells you the top five things you need to know each day, and also features special content exclusive to us, and just for you. And it fits all within the preview pane of your inbox. You can sign up today at www.omnitalk.blog. Thanks as always for listening in. Please remember to like and leave us a review wherever you happen to listen to your podcast or on YouTube. Stick with us. Hopefully we'll be back in studio together soon once this Omicron coronavirus outbreak ceases. And of course, as always, as a result of all of that, be careful out there. The Yummy Talk Fast Five is a Microsoft
0: sponsored podcast. Microsoft Cloud for Retail connects your customers, your people, and your data across the shopper journey, delivering personalized experiences and operational excellence. And is also brought to you in association with the AM Consumer and Retail Group. The a Consumer and Retail Group is a management consulting firm that tackles the most complex challenges and advances its clients, people, and communities toward their maximum potential. CRG brings the experience, tools, and operator-like pragmatism to help retailers and consumer products companies be on the right side of disruption. And Takeoff. Takeoff is transforming grocery by empowering grocers to thrive online. The key is micro-fulfillment, small robotic fulfillment centers that can be leveraged at a hyper-local scale. TakeOff also offers a robust software suite so grocers can seamlessly integrate the robotic solution into their existing businesses. To learn more, visit takeoff.com. And finally, Cezzle. Cezzle is an innovative buy now, pay later solution that allows shoppers to split purchases into four interest free payments over six weeks. To learn more, visit Cezzle.com.